right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 463. And uh, yeah, we're recording live on uh, May the 5th. Hopefully, uh, all of you Star Wars people celebrated May the 4th, and now, um, yeah, we're, we're on to the 5th. So we've got, um, Brianna is here, as per usual, looking fine. Uh, how are you? What's going on? How's the, uh, you know, the, the life there? Life is good, you know, just uh, plugging along and being creative, trying to keep kids entertained all the time, and... Uh, you know, I'm thankful for my job and that I can work from home. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I have to admit I am enjoying the extra family time. Like that's the one good thing I can say I am really, enjoy- I mean, it has its moments. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but it's been nice. You know, my kids are like, I have a, I have a two year old. Um, she turned two in September. So I guess she's two and a half or I mean, all you moms that do months good for you. I don't do that. So, uh, Anyways, she, um, <laughs> she's like, just since we've all been home, it's amazing to see how much more she is talking. Like she was already talking well before. And I think that she's probably doubled her vocabulary in the past eight weeks. It's just incredible. So, you know, little things like that, you know, moments that we would have maybe missed out on. So I am counting my blessings. How about you? How are things going? Yeah, we're good. Just, you know, same old into the routine and, Kids are trying to keep up with schoolwork. It's actually getting a little heavier uh, than it was the first couple of weeks. I guess the teachers are figuring it out too. So everybody's yeah. getting their rhythm. Um, yeah, it's been a busy work week for me. Um, lots going on. Still trying to figure out what to do about our conferences for LBMA. And, um, you know, at the same time, lots going on with, with my startup too. Like just tons of, of you know, meetings and investors and yeah all kinds of interesting conversations so it's good it's good but i I, i'm glad we get to come together every week and do this because it's kind of it's something that's consistent and you know it doesn't change whether there's a pandemic or not so i know i agree there you go so all right uh so we got two stories for you this week and two guests um so i'll let abriana kick off with our first story uh an interesting one from one of our members yeah, so our friends over at Reveal, Brian and his team, um, have been awarded a patent um, for um, a system that determines the quality score of a mobile device. So this is based on the mobile device's location and accuracy. Um, so it's a specific methodology that they've created, and they've been able to put a patent on that. And so it seems like they were, um, I would assume they, they filed for that a while ago and were awarded that. So um, that's part of the story. And the other part of the story is that they have received some new funding. So um, they had a Series A and it was led by Bull City Venture Partners. Um, and they also have investors from Alarion Ventures, Idea Fund Partners, Venture South, Wolfpack Investor Network, and Carolina Angel Network. Um, amongst some others. So sounds like they are doing some good things. And they noted that, you know, they have had a really strong 2019 that they have, um, you know, maintained good growth, even amongst the COVID crisis. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the patent or, you know, it didn't go into details on like what the exact methodology was or um, what that process was, but, um, you know, I think it's always good to be able to tout as a, you know, as a semi startup and, you know, um, one that is still raising 
uh, raising money that they have a patent or two or three or however many they have at this point. I think it's um, always good for them to be able to do that. So good for them. And um, congrats, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to call Brian up and get some advice on on that piece of it for my startup. We we filed a patent. Obviously, we're going through the process, and we're also raising capital. So maybe you know I, I can I can learn some something from these guys. So. <laughs> but anyhow, um, the um, yeah, the one thing I did read about the patent is they said that like this sort of way of um, um, what do they call it a uh, device quality score. Um, so yeah. The, this sort of way of kind of scoring the, you know, the quality of the data at the, at that level, you know, for, um, folks that, uh, are location data providers, it can help kind of on the pricing of, of location data offerings based on sort of the, sort of the quality of the data that they're kind of, uh, building their, uh, their offering on. So that might be something that's, you know, sort of beneficial to the industry overall, who knows. But uh, certainly an interesting way to think about it. Uh, I like that. They also did mention in, in one of the releases I saw that um, uh, Jason Crocker has been promoted uh, to chief technology officer from the, uh, yep. was previously VP of technology. So uh, he's been with them for a couple of years and kind of has, has really sort of been one of the key guys sort of building out their, their stack and, and their, uh, you know, their technology um, you know, around all of what they're doing. The other thing is, is the, the round, it's an A, Series A um, that you mentioned and, and the group of, of uh, different funds involved. I did, did do some, some digging outside of the press release. Um, and so it's $2 million is what they've raised uh, in this round, bringing the total, I think, to about $8 million that they've raised over the last couple of years now. So, um, so yeah, looks like they've got some fuel to kind of grow and continue to sort of evolve in the market. and. Uh, and a patent to, to carry them for it. So good stuff. All right. So we have, as I said, two guests this week. Um, the first is a uh, an interview that I, I did with actually one of our LBMA advisory board members, as well as um, she's um, uh, heavily involved in, in the world of, sort of big geospatial data. Um, uh, her name is Denise McKenzie. She's the director of something called the Benchmark Initiative at Geovation. Uh, which is a UK-based um, sort of um, innovation hub around everything to do with geospatial data, and they have like co-working space and all that sort of stuff. Um, so um, she was sharing some insights from from the UK on what she's been doing during COVID, uh, and then the second interview that you did with another good friend of ours, uh, Walter Gear, uh, who's the SVP of Group uh, and Group Creative Director at TBWA World Health. Um, so some good conversations, uh, both of those there. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll just um, uh, shut up now and uh, let you hear what they had to say. So here, here's uh, Denise first, followed by Walter. All right, I'm uh, very excited this week because we have a longtime friend, uh, LBMA board member, uh, and uh, just to, marketing geospatial guru on our show this week as a guest. Uh, it's Denise McKenzie. She's currently the director of Benchmark Initiative at Geovation. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Enjoying my lockdown time. Yes, so that's what we wanna talk about. So we, we've been doing a little special series the last number of weeks we're calling Members at Home and just chatting with different uh, 
individuals from various member companies all over the world um, and kind of just getting a sense of kind of what it's been like. How has it impacted your routine and your, the way you work kind of now working from home? So for me, I'm, I've been a work from home person for seven years now. So, uh, you know, office is nicely set up at home, um, fairly easy. So from a work perspective for me, it's been not that different. What I would say is there's more online meetings now. So you kind of get that fatigue at the end of the day after you've sort of sat through seven different meetings back to back. So I'm trying these days to limit the number I'm having per day so that I'm not completely and utterly brain exhausted at the end of it. Um, but I'm a mum as well. And so I think just that challenge now of having kids at home and trying to juggle working plus homeschooling has been a pretty interesting exercise. Um, but I've been impressed with the schools at, at how they've managed to handle sharing, um, sharing information in that regard. Uh, but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I mean, I, I know for a fact you, like myself, you know, uh, prior to all this, you know, would be at a lot of conferences, a lot of travel as well. Um, how's that been like not doing that right now? Are you missing it? Are you like finding, you know, okay, hey, it's, it's kind of nice to be home and kind of connecting with family and whatever? Yeah, I think... So for the first four or five weeks, I think actually definitely enjoyed having the break, uh, not commuting up to London, not sort of rushing for a plane, etc. Probably am beginning to feel a little bit like it would be nice to have a bit more. What I miss, I guess, is that networking social component of what you do. Uh, and you have so many more serendipitous conversations when you're in a face-to-face -face type of environment. So I think I miss that. Um, to that end, though, actually, we held our, amongst our sort of closer geospatial group of colleagues here in the UK, we held a GOGNT drinks on Friday afternoon. Um, and the, the rule was you had to, to bring a drink of some sort, but go out into your garden with your phone uh, and talk to everybody on that. So we had a Zoom call for, for everybody to have a chat. And that was really nice. It kind of made the end of the week feel like it was the end of the week and you're all at the pub having a conversation. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's um, you sort of have to put a little bit of kind of the the routines or the structures of kind of what it would be like at an event or whatever. Like I know uh, I have friends who um, a, a, a married couple who they they literally like get dressed, put on their shoes, and like leave the house in the morning like they're going to work, and then kind of walk around the neighborhood and come back to their office at home. <laughs> so it's, it's like they commuted. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always been lucky in that regard. So my ha office is actually separate to the house. So I do exactly that. I get dressed for work. I put my shoes on, try and avoid putting my slippers on and put my shoes on and actually walk out the, the back door into the garden and down and open my office for the day uh, and work from the office, which is good. I mean, it helps you build that balance, I think, between work life and home life. I, I know I've talked to some colleagues in, in recent weeks who are like, I've lost all track of what day of the week it is and whether it's night or day or what a work day actually is yeah. any longer. And they're just kind of working all the way through it. And I was like, no, I said, that's not good. <laughs> um, so I think it's, yeah, it takes discipline, but it's really important to try and actually block out and um, define your work day and your home life. But that's been nice because actually I think we've probably spent a lot more time with kids uh, and done more family things in that way. Good. So um, from a business perspective then, like one of the things that we've been uh, hearing a lot of people talk about is kind of just finding new 
technology, new tools, new ways to kind of stay connected to colleagues. Obviously, everybody's on Zoom or what have you. Like, have you found any new, any interesting new technologies to make life easier or more efficient? Yeah, I don't know about more efficient. Um, I mean, I've, I'm an absolute convert to Trello. We even have family Trello. So I've got my work, my work Trello, and actually we have a family set of activities that all get prioritized in the same way. Um, so I love Trello for that. Uh, Slack is a great one as well, you know, and I've got a variety of ones with that. So my women in geospatial activities, uh, all of that gets organized through our colleagues on, in that, and that's international. So it's kind of lovely hearing, you know, we had a, a whole uh, sort of event on that where people were sharing pictures of their home office setups. You know, and it's just something simple and easy, but actually keeps you connected with everybody. So that's kind of fun. I think my favorite new tool though, um, was introduced by one of our entrepreneurs on the Benchmark program. And it's a thing called Miro. Uh, and Miro is a, like a collaborative virtual whiteboard type of space. Um, and they really ran the, the, probably the best online workshop I've ever been part of where they were able to break us all out into small groups um, they had the Miro board set up really well and we were moving kind of sticky notes here and adding notes there and everyone was in it kind of creating and it really kind of felt like you were actually functioning together with a whiteboard in front of you. Um, and so suddenly that barrier of being, uh, you know, remote and, and being online was just gone. Uh, and we had a really constructive kind of few hours. And I think for, the, for me, they're those sort of experiences which really make you stop and wonder you know, for all of our travel and things we do, how often do you really need to do it? And so I've sort of started thinking, wondering what what work practices are going to look like at the other end of this and what businesses are going to do change-wise um, because people realise actually you can probably have a better work-life balance working a bit from home and a bit from the office. Yeah, I, I did a, uh, I think it's a great point. I did an interview last week for uh, a US um, reporter and it was uh, he was representing the real estate industry and I you know I said like it's going to be very interesting to see what the impact coming out of this is going to be on commercial real estate in terms of you know businesses office space and rent and and all of that whether people actually need that much space you know that they had previously had you know or if they're really going to downsize and you know have this sort of more many more people working from home because they realized it, it's okay it works like I can do this um, so and I think Collaborative spaces as well. I mean, if you look at Geovation, where I uh, I work at the moment, uh, is a huge kind of incubator collaboration space. And so at any given time, you've got sort of 50 companies that are all using desk space. Uh, but the great thing about that is the serendipity of bumping into somebody, having a coffee, you know, and standing around and suddenly really actually realising the work you're doing actually has a connection point. Uh, and the only way you're ever going to have those sorts of meetings is because you're, you're working in a shared and collaboration space. So we really... I think it'd be interesting to see whether more of that starts to appear too, where companies actually share spaces. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, last part uh, is, you know, one interesting thing that I think that's, that's happened with COVID is, is a lot of our member companies have been able to find ways to use their product, their solution, you know, to sort of either help the government or just help other businesses or just help consumers in general. Um, you know, sort of deal with different things. Last week we talked to uh, Kami from Glimpse and, you know, they, they're obviously, their technology is all about last mile delivery. So they've been heavily working with, you know, the restaurant industry and the grocery industry in terms of, you know, getting food delivered to home or, you know, groceries delivered to home. So 
business is on the rise for them uh, in, in, you know, during this time. But have you seen any of the companies you're working with uh, there in the UK or otherwise kind of be able to kind of take what they've built and kind of repurpose it for COVID benefit? So, I mean, look, one of my favorite stories uh, with repurposing is actually even my, my daughter's high school uh, and their art teachers who do usually have a 3D printer and they had a production line going where they repurposed the school's 3D printer to print safety masks uh, to give to the NHS. So the, the, the sort of fabulous plastic masks there. So I've seen some really interesting things there. Uh, I guess across the board, looking at, um, so I put my other hat on as the chair of the AGI, we've got a lot of members that are working in a huge range of different areas at the moment, supporting the response. Obviously, Ordnance Survey is doing a large amount to offer mapping data generally uh, and have changed their licensing model uh, for, for people who are doing response work in COVID sort of areas. Um, we're seeing lots of the geospatial companies actually begin, you know, obviously doing modelling um, and not just kind of spread, but also beginning to look at things like the modelling of what will happen when we start going back. So the different scenarios of different groups of society and what that might mean, you know, what the dispersion might look like. So looking at transport behaviours, etc. along the way. Um, I think also where we've seen particularly moving into looking at this kind of tracing concept, there was a lot of companies that were already had data processes and platforms uh, that did a level of anonymization anyway. Uh, and a lot of them are now looking at, well, can I, can I change my platform to mean that we actually we could trace it better using this? Um, and so I think that, that we're sort of seeing a number of organisations and particularly in our startup space within Geovation that are saying, well, actually, could we tweak this slightly now and do, do some more work in that space? Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's also raised some really amazing questions uh, in all of this conversation too. I mean, it's wonderful to see, you know, finally our somewhat niche at times interest in, in location data being front page of newspapers around the world. Um, and, you know, the part of the benchmark program that I work on is obviously the ethics side of using location data. Right. Uh, and so as, as, as horrible as a situation as COVID is, it's also brought about some really important conversations uh, that a lot of governments and businesses are having with each other at the moment about how we share data, why we share it, and what are the safeguards that you need to have within that space too. So it's, it's kind of like that silver lining type of thing. You know, this has been horrible, horrible health experience, but actually it's caused a whole variety of conversations and new technology and changes that probably wouldn't have happened, at least not at this speed uh, otherwise. So, you know, certainly we've seen a lot uh, around here and I think that's only going to continue to increase. What I guess we're seeing more of now is the applications where it's looking forward to the future. You know, how are we going to help get businesses back uh, up and running, how are you going to do things going to help stimulate the economy? And I think what, what are the new economic opportunities that are actually going to appear at the other side of this uh, are becoming really hot topics of conversation amongst a lot of businesses here. Yeah, completely agree with you. I, I think um, from a consumer perspective, uh, you know, I, I think the pendulum is kind of coming back almost to the middle now. There was, you know, for the last number of years, when you look at, at location data and, and from a privacy perspective, there's been a big sort of move uh, towards, you know, just locking it down, being much more restrictive, um, you know, and uh, sort of in favor of the consumer, if you will. And now I think 
COVID in some ways has caused that to come back to the middle a little bit because people are realizing there is a lot of value in this data um, and, and it can be used for really good uh, you know, intentions. And it's not all, you know, sort of, hey, we're, we're tracking you and we're violating your privacy and, and, and all this stuff, right? It, there is some of that, no question. But um, the reality is, is there, there's a balance to it. And I think the dialogue is, 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 is COVID's bringing that dialogue to, to, to the surface right now. And I think that, you know, consumers, interestingly enough, um, as much as governments and, and businesses are, are realizing that, you know, they're going to need to, you know, sort of allay a bit of that uh, sort of privacy concern to have a greater benefit of, you know, protection, um, you know, uh, in, in this sense. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Like I, I wrote a piece about it, um, about exactly that issue about a month ago now when this was all sort of happening and um it, it got quite quite an interesting reaction from the press as well as from you know from from the member base but overall i think people are you know in the u.s for example they they relaxed the rules uh the regulatory rules around health data um the hipaa laws and so on because people needed to go into emergency situations and hospitals and get treated and the doctors needed access to their health records you know and you know normally you can't just pull that up you know, um, you know, just like that. So they had to sort of relax the laws on a on a sort of temporary basis, in order to to provide these, you know, these, you know, these the data that's needed to treat these people properly. And I think with the same needs to happen in in emergency situations around how we use location data. Um, you know, I think temporarily we need to allow this type of access to ultimately protect the population and and so on. Um, I, I think yeah. that's no different. And and so. Anyhow, I'm completely with you. I think the dialogue is, it's a good time for dialogue and to have these discussions about ethics and, you know, and, and controls of data and, and use of data. So anyhow, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, so I appreciate your time. Uh, again, we've been chatting with uh, Denise McKenzie, uh, a longtime great friend of the uh, LBMA. So thank you so much. Stay safe and healthy and well to you and your family. And we really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks very much, Asif. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Abriana Lopez with Location Weekly, and I'm here with Walter Gear from TBWA World Health. Uh, and we are here doing another interview for members at home. Um, Walter, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. Um, I am the I'm probably the longest title uh, at the company, Senior Vice President, Group Creative Director, Head of Digital and Innovation. That's a mouthful. Um, but my role essentially here is um, really running digital and innovation and coming up with the big ideas. My team is kind of design development and uh, UX. Important stuff. Yeah. It's all, all important stuff, right? <laughs> it is, it is. And um, I don't even remember how we got connected, but I think you used to be in Atlanta at some point. And then I, it's been a long yeah. time though. Yeah, so so I I was supposed to speak at a conference for LMBA LMBA LBMA. Yeah. Yes, I said so wrong. I apologize. Yeah, I was supposed to speak at a conference down there, and uh, I, I I yeah, I'm not sure how we totally connected, but it's been some time now. I feel like <laughs> it has. Yeah, but I think we've been. Um, I don't know. We've we've messaged a few times back and forth during quarantine. I've definitely been following a lot of the content you've been producing. You've been 
um, pretty busy, you know, balancing a job and just pushing out tons of interesting conversations with everybody from, you know, creative digital world to celebrities. And, you know, um, it's been enjoyable to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, the conversations are just like all over the board, but I think so is everybody's minds right now. So how have you been uh, spending your quarantine? How's it going? Oh boy. Yeah. So spending (laughs) quarantine between like uh, kids, kindergarten homework and, and trying to figure out how to get back to my addition and (laughs) <laughs> things of that nature, <laughs> nature. Uh, and then also just trying to trying to get into this work stuff and then at the same time really inspire people I think that we're all in such an awkward time and a weird time and I feel like everyone is saying that right now um, but it's about like what do we do like when we get on the other end of this like what are some of the things that you did to help other people right so my thing is like how do we engage people and how do we have conversations that just you know involve and include everyone and just make everyone feel like this is okay yeah I mean, I think that's so important just having that day-to-day encouragement from every perspective. I mean, sometimes it's more for me, it's like, okay, I can't make, you know, I'm not a medical professional. I can't make a dent in that area right now, but, you know, I just got to make sure that my kids are okay. And that, you know, when they come out of this, they think it was like the best time ever because their parents were home and, you know, they got so much family time. Um, But then there's other times where I'm thinking from an industry perspective and like, how can we be making an impact and what can we do? What can we bring awareness to? Um, But it's definitely like a hard line to walk. And, and uh, we were talking before we started recording about, you know, parenting during this and being home with our kids and there's definitely some struggles uh but I don't know for me it's definitely um secured the idea that I'm not supposed to be a homeschool parent or a stay-at-home mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah you and me both and 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 their salaries need to go up like significantly (laughs) I think everybody is is all for that yeah so you know from a from a creative perspective you know what has sort of been like your approach during this time, you know, and that probably changes a a few different ways based on whether you're talking to consumers or colleagues or peers, but, you know, I'd kind of love to hear what, how you've been forming that because I'm sure it changes every day. Yeah, it it has, it has changed quite a bit. And I think that what's interesting about this, the pro, and I hate to say that there's a pro to anything that like we're going through right here, but the pro is that now people, brands, everyone is forced to do digital, right? I feel like everyone's been talking about being digital first for so long. And now it's like, if you're not digital first, like you're not, you're, you're not going to do anything. And so that's interesting, right? To kind of see the approach and the things like concerts and like in, in events and, and conferences are all being con- canceled. So how do you shift those budgets to doing really effective stuff to engage people while they're just at home? Um, but even beyond that too, it's like, I think that this changes just how we interact and, and talk and deal with people. Uh, and in this type of situation, that's also about being authentic, right? So this is why I think you're seeing some brands go out there and, and try to make an impact and try to start the conversation while others are kind of holding back and just waiting for the right moment. So it's, it's most certainly interesting to see, but um, definitely a pivot that we all have to make, right? It's like the people that are working from home to the, to the brands themselves. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a it's a hard time to think about it. I mean, from a technology provider perspective, we're like, you know, we want to be helpful as much as possible at this time. We want to engage with people and have conversations. But at the end of the day, it's not a time to be going out and selling anything. It's a time to be saying like, hey, what can we do? Or what problems are you trying to solve? Or, you know, during this downtime, how can we help you? I mean, and obviously, we're talking on more of a business to business perspective, where a lot of the conversations that you're having 
are more on a business to consumer perspective, right? Yeah. And yeah. that changes a little bit, but I think that leading with empathy and um, impact are probably the two areas that, that everybody's thinking about whether you are B2B or B2C at this point in time. Yes, certainly. Uh, it, it most certainly is. Um, I also say too that like consumers have given to brands for so many years. So this is the opportunities for brands to actually turn around and give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really true. I, you know, I think there's been like so many really highlighting things that we've seen where you've seen fashion industry people pivot and say like, Hey, we're going to make masks now because that's what's needed. Um, you know, when maybe they actually, I was thinking of, um, you know, it was Christian Siriano came out and said, Hey, like we have the resources and the people to do this that are working from home. I can help make all of these masks for our healthcare professionals. And it's like, that kind of stuff is really encouraging. And then, um, you know, I think there's other people that are just, you know, maybe it's celebrities who have influence that are able to, um, you know, just drive awareness to certain things and allow people to be able to donate maybe money if they can at this time. It's yeah. not like everybody can go and volunteer time, right? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely so, right. I mean, from your perspective, like what has changed? Um, and is there going to be a new normal when we get through this or are things not going to go back to normal? I mean, it could be, this could be marketing and advertising related or just, you know, life in general, but what are we going to yeah. be adjusting to as humans? That, that's a great question. I think a few, I can go so many different ways with this. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go doom and gloom, but my, my, my thought is I think for so long companies felt that like they couldn't do this whole work from home thing right now that we're all forced to do work from home. Everyone's probably realizing, you know what, it's not that bad. So I think on a business level, what we're going to see is, probably a lot of office spaces closing because people are realizing that's a lot of money spent that doesn't need to be spent. Uh, on like a job perspective, I think now for all of us, you, we, we will no longer be competing for jobs uh, with people in our area or city. We're going to be competing for jobs with people all over the world, right? So, you know, who's to say that, you know, when someone's hiring now and they say, hey, I can hire this designer for $150,000 here in Manhattan or get someone with the same, you know, level of, of experience in Alabama for forty five. Right. So I think it's going to get interesting in those perspectives. I think from uh, a brand perspective, um, what I've seen that's been really interesting is this. OK, since conferences are now closed, how do we actually what how do we communicate with those same people? Um, we've been doing a lot of stuff uh, with AR, augmented reality, and creating these experiences where we can actually literally drop a panel into someone's room right? or have people actually sitting there and talking, have these one to one conversations back and forth. Um, I've seen other really interesting things too, but I think that too many people are just going overboard with the Zoom things um, <laughs> and it's just getting a little bit, a little exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it is exhausting. I think, um, you know, I, w I always remember the, uh, the BBC interview that happened and the guy had like his kids busting in on him and I feel like that's me on a day-to-day -day basis, basically, you know, that's what's going on and, um, you know, yeah. at this point, I think we've, adapted to just being like much more gracious to each other and understanding that people have like kids and dogs and parents and things that they're taking care of that are at home and that's part of their life. Well, um, did you see, did you see the CEO of Saatchi just walked or the founder of Saatchi? Did you see that one? No, I'm going to yeah. Google. <laughs> his, 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 his partner was doing a live, uh, I guess it looked like from the bathroom and he walked by <laughs> naked. <laughs> back of the scene. So, uh, so yeah, interesting times. Uh, yeah, well, I actually am at my parents right now in South Carolina, but I've been, you know, at home in Atlanta and, and I set up my desk in my bedroom. And so I'm always 
like constantly making sure that my computer is closed because that is probably one of my biggest fears, like <laughs> yeah. broadcasting live. Um, well, well, that's the interesting t thing too now is I think that we're almost getting to, to learn uh, our colleagues and our coworkers a lot more so than we ever have before because now we're seeing like their families, we're seeing like where they live, we're seeing inside of their homes. And this is yeah. stuff that was like completely closed off a couple months ago. Yeah, I think where it's been like business as usual. I mean, now when we kick off our weekly check-in, it's like we just do like a mental health check. Like, hey, how are you doing? You know, yeah, like what's yeah. really going on? Where have you been mentally? Have you gone out for a walk? Like, mm -hmm. you know, how are you doing? Um, and I feel like that's been, it's been good because it just allows us to, you know, realize that we're all humans and we all have these struggles right now and we're all adjusting, but, um, you know, feeling supported besides just your family support, which at times is, is even a bigger challenge, you know, when you're stuck inside the house yeah, with your yeah. people you love the most, but you yeah. know, can drive you crazy really fast too. So we are being tested. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you think about shifting your approach from like a content creation, I mean, you've mentioned that you are thinking of things like AR and how to, you know, really connect with consumers you know, what do you feel like you, maybe personally or professionally, what have you really grown? What areas have you grown in during these last, what, two months? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know if it's grown more so than it's, it's how do we refocus and shift, right? So, so when I think about advertising and how we reach consumers um, or even brands, uh, you know, B2B or B2C, it is, it's so different now, right? Because like I, I, have, I was a heavy, clear user of location-based technology, right? Because it allows us to understand where you're going, places you've been, all that stuff. But now it's like there's only one place that everyone, or two places, maybe three places where people are now. Home, grocery store, or the gas station, right? So it's really kind of changed things because it's like, okay, well, what are the other ways that are actually reaching these people? I've been doing a lot of investigation and looking into just like, what are the apps that people are spending their time? How are they spend their time on those apps? What sites? Like, like all this stuff, because I would assume that like mobile usage is now through the roof, right? Like it's berserk. Um, and it'd be really interesting to just understand the types of content and, and, and why people in times a day and all that. Um, but really is like what I've also learned in this time too, is like, I think everyone wants to be heard right now, right? And, and everyone has, has something to say. And because of all these different video platforms, be it Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Teams, even like TikTok, right? And Instagram Live, like people are expressing themselves in ways that we've never seen before. So I'd almost argue to say that right now we're probably seeing the best content, at least UGC, that we've probably ever seen, ever. I mean, we're seeing like live battles with you know, baby face and, and like all these different people. It's crazy, right? You would it never is. see this stuff before. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that, um, you know, when I think about what I've sort of learned, I'm like, well, one, I think that maybe I'm more of an introvert than I ever thought I was mm -hmm. because I don't totally hate being home um, <laughs> often. Um, and two, yes, like content creation, even though, yes, I do a weekly podcast and, you know, I talk on panels and moderate and, do public speaking like that to me, it seems like it, it comes natural and I don't mind doing that. But at the same time, doing a TikTok video is like out of my comfort zone normally. But yeah. you know, I've got kids and they're like, let's do something fun and it's entertaining for them. And so I have like done several of those now with them and I don't publish all of them, but, <laughs> but it's <laughs> fun. Say, you know? Where are these? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to dig, <laughs> dig hard for those. Um, so it's like, it's, Fun and it's something that you're like, okay, this is something that's definitely out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to try and go there um, and, you know, think, figure that out. But I think 
these platforms are also allowing us to see the worst in each other as well. Right, because now that now, especially for the folks that are single, right, in home and alone or in cities where you're in a small space and confined, I mean, it is like being in prison, right? Yeah. So, so I think we're, we're seeing mental health become like a real thing, right? Because a lot of things, people think like mental health is like a particular disease or mental health is like schizophrenia. Mental health is like loneliness too, right? And things of that nature. And these video platforms, I believe we're seeing people actually use this to do things like, like I have a friend who's like total like introvert and I'm not going to go into the type of business he has, but he has a business online. It was like only his business stuff, his work stuff. And then like, as soon as like March hit, it's like him getting out of the shower, him eating breakfast, him doing lunch, him doing workouts. And then every night, like a party where he's like getting drunk by himself, listening to YouTube and dancing around the room. And you're like, wow, this is incredibly amazing. Like hysterically funny stuff. But at the same time, you're like, I think he's losing his mind. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I think that we all, mental health to me is just like a check-in, right? It is, uh, everybody has a level of that and, and where you function well, right? And so I think that all of the, all of those levels are being challenged right now. And as you mentioned, it's going to be different for different people. So, you know, I, I would assume that being alone right now has its challenges as does being with other people, um, you know, and there's just different things that are going to, you know, for me, having extra space is a huge blessing. And, but I realize like how important and, and, uh, you know, blessed I really am to have that because you think of people that are, you know, in Manhattan and they're in apartments. And a lot of the yeah. conversations I'm having are with those people who are in, you know, small confined areas. And so it's, a, it is about, you know, having access to like, what is the access that we have to sort of say like, here's where I am, or here's where I need to talk to somebody. And, you know, now more than ever, I think it's so important to be able to like have online healthcare um, yeah. and not being, you know, about going to a doctor's office all the time. So telehealth, right. Totally. I mean, if they had not built that up, you know, what, five or six years ago, then where would we be today? Yeah. It would be a whole nother issue, but is there anything else that you want to talk about while we're here? No, I think that one thing I'll say and I'll add is I think I know a lot of people out there who might not be influencers and I'm not an influencer, right? I, I get labeled as one now, which is odd to me, but like by no means feel I'm, a, I'm an influencer. But I think that there are people out there who have a greater understanding about things like anxiety or mental health and things of that nature. And I, and I would tell folks that are out there like, don't just post about it, right? Like on Facebook or Instagram story, like, oh, like whatever, I'm dealing with this right now. Like if, you know, I think that we should start a conversation, right? And don't be, don't be shy about it. I think that if you feel you understand these areas really well, these are things that you've dealt with and problems you've resolved, then maybe like it's, it's really simple to start a live stream on, let's say Instagram, invite people in and actually have the conversation. I think now people need to hear these stories and I think now people need to have these conversations so that we all know that we're not alone, that we're all dealing with some of the same things. I've put a bigger focus on right now, um, like black health and the disparities we're actually seeing right now. And by no means am I a, like an expert, but I know that it affects people that look uh, like me. So mm -hmm. I've made an initiative to actually start these conversations and doing weekly live streams. I'm doing one this, this week with uh, a young lady by the name of, um, uh, well, I don't want to give her up. I can't do that because that's not the time yet. But another one named Tiana Bartoletto, right? Tiana Bartoletto is two-time Olympian, three-time gold medalist, three-time world uh, champion, and world record holder uh, at track and field. 
and like we're doing like an, an exercise routine and she's going to say, here's a 15 minute exercise you can do in your home with like little to no space. And this is just about be people being healthier, right? And people of color, that's like a big issue right now with COVID and why we're dying. Um, doing another thing with a huge influencer next week um, by the name of Kevin Curry, Fit Men Cook. And he's going to be doing a big thing on like, hey, here's the proper things you could actually cook with minimal stuff in your in your refrigerator that's healthy. And then Mark Moore, uh, Mark Moliano, who's like the president and uh, CEO of uh, of uh, National Urban League, and we're going to talk about disparities. And again, these are all about you know starting the conversation, letting people hear it and understand they're not unknown, and also like providing tools to people right now. So. There's a lot of people who, who know things about a lot of things. I go out there and have the conversation. It's super easy right now. Yeah, I think compassion-led conversation is more important than ever because, you know, this COVID crisis is not, um, you know, it's definitely not uh, like picking people based on any racial bias or, or profile, but I think that there are different people that are more exposed, um, you know, maybe people who still have to continue to work and, and different, um, you know, economic backgrounds and, and things that are going to get hit harder. And I think it's so important to, to um, have that conversation and just say like, how can I help? Or let me open up my eyes because maybe I didn't think there was a problem where there actually is a problem. So I think that it's just, I love the conversations that you've been having. And I mean, I've been able to join a few of them and, and listen in. And I think that they're so important and, um, and the focus that you have, you know, just bringing up the challenges with black health and how, you know, maybe there's a smaller percentage that um, makes up the population, but a larger percentage that is having this, these challenges. Yep. And so I think being aware of that allows people who are just saying that there's not a problem whatsoever to understand that there is a challenge and how can we address this, right? Um, and how can we just be compassionate human beings? Yeah, everyone. Agreed. So. I love it. Where can people find you and follow you and, um, you know, engage in these conversations as well? Sure. So I've been doing all of them on Instagram. So if you follow me at, at third gears, uh, so it's at three R D G E E R S. Uh, right. and then that's it. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. No, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing with us, um, all the exciting stuff you're doing and, you know, keep up the good work. I think that, uh, you are an influencer, whether you want to admit it or not. And um, yeah, hopefully we can have you back on the show again in the future. So Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate both of you uh, coming on the show and for taking the time to uh, share your COVID experience uh, with us. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, this whole sort of members at home series that we've been doing uh, over these last number of weeks. So thank you so much. For doing that. Um, okay, our, uh, our last story now is uh, a local one here in Canada. One of our, our members here in Toronto is a company called EQ Works. Uh, they're a well-known uh, location data uh, platform company up here as well. Probably one of the big, well, I think one of the biggest in the country, if not the biggest in the country. Um, uh, gone through and acquired a bunch of the other players over the last number of years, but they announced a new partnership. Uh, this past week with a company called Opta, O-P-T-A. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Opta is a, uh, describes themselves as Canada's largest property location intelligence provider. So um, the, uh, the whole thing here uh, in blending what EQ has with what Opta has is about a new uh, set of offerings, leveraging location data um, around the insurance uh, industry in particular. Uh, up here. So um, they're all about sort of building a new set of products and, and, and you know, specializing on predictive modeling 
and some segmentation tools and so on to kind of help the insurance industry. So EQ sort of positioned themselves as the, uh, they say they have Canada's richest device graph. Um, and then you take Opta, which has sort of the information on the property side of residential and business uh, property data. Um, and then combining the two, you know, sort of really uh, seen as a, a bit of a game changer for the insurance and financial services industry up here. So I think it's a good fit. I think it's a nice niche uh, target uh, audience to go after uh, in particular. Um, one quote that I really like, the guy, the, um, uh, what's his name here? Uh, I lost it. Uh, Greg McCutcheon, who's the president of Opta, said, we're committed to delivering tools that allow brokers and insurance uh, insurers to enhance their client relationships while improving their underlying competitiveness. We have insights on 13 million residences and more than 4.4 million business locations across Canada. And now we can offer insights into the behaviors of the people occupying them. So, you know, they're a company obviously that well understands the properties themselves and you know, sort of the businesses aspect of it, but now by bringing EQ to the mix, you know, can understand the actual people that live there or go there or work there or whatever, uh, you know, through the sort of movement uh, side of the data as well. So good partnership, I like it. Um, I think it's super interesting. Any thoughts? Yeah, um, a couple. I do think it's a really interesting partnership. I think that these are, there's a lot of um, need for this type of data and, not only from a, a marketing and, and consumer engagement standpoint, but I know that there's a lot of uh, businesses specifically, you know, insurance or credit or finance um, that really want to leverage this type of data. I would say the one concern I have or caveat that I think is there is making sure that the data that's leveraged is opted in data, um, you know, and that we have good consumer uh, scenarios set up in terms of like privacy and opting out and, um, being able to maybe sunset your data. Uh, that's something that I know we talk a lot on my team about and making sure that we're always doing the right thing there. Um, as I would assume that, you know, I would, I think that Canada seems to be a little bit even more potentially more privacy sensitive than even the U S. And so I think that, um, I would assume that they're doing all of those things, but I do think that it's really interesting. I love, I think that we're going to see a lot more of like the predictive modeling and leveraging that type of location data to do that. Um, and also just help businesses be able to find valuable consumers. Um, you know, ones that might be looking for a change in insurance or, um, you know, something like that. Um, so yeah, I think this is, it, it is a, is certainly a need and, and businesses are asking for it. And, and I think, um, us as consumers are always looking to, um, have more relevant and valuable information given to us. So. Yeah, I agree with your comments. The, um, what, what are your thoughts though? Like just in general, I love your, your sort of view on sort of the specializations, you know, in, in verticals like this, like insurance, you know, obviously with, with my, my startup ground level, we're obviously focused on cannabis. Um, you know, but like, I, it seems like there's, you know, more and more of the players in the industry, like in our, in our industry, you know, are starting to find these sort of, let's go and kind of do something unique just for this one vertical, you know, that maybe not, is not applicable across multiple. What are your thoughts on that? I think specialization is a great thing, right? Um, I think that it gives you, well, from a startup perspective, I think it gives you a, the ability to scale quickly and be well known for, you know, a, a, a tool set, right? Or a specific thing that you 
can offer a niche industry. What I think, where I think the challenge can come in is whenever you're leveraging data for saying like, should we insure this person or, you know, should we employ this person or do they have good credit? Um, I mean, I know here, like we've seen some of the, even like the credit bureaus wanting to do more of like the identity graphing and things of that nature. And to me, you know, I sort of question how that's going, what's, what's the longevity of that? Like, is legislation going to come into play at some point in time? Are consumers going to say like, I don't want to, you know, share that information with them because now I'm going to get a, like a less favorable rate because they know X, Y, and Z about me. Um, so I think that there has to be a balance, but I do think that your to your point about like going in um, pretty specialized on something like this and building out that predictive model for a specific industry, it makes a lot of sense because it resonates and it's just really easy. And then if you decide, you know, in your in your case, an example like with ground level, right? Yeah, it is cannabis and it's very specialized, but that doesn't mean that another regulated trade might come to you at some point and they say, Hey, you're doing a really great job with this. Like we want to replicate this with industry X mm -hmm. and it's easy to go there versus being like, Hey, we can serve every industry. It's harder to go like really deep that way. I think, I mean, but you know, this. Yeah. 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 No. And, and I mean, I agree. And um, you know, when you, when you were talking about the, um, you know, sort of the privacy piece and, and, you know, sort of using the data for, you know, whether or not someone's going to get a loan or whatever. I was, I, I remembered now, like this is, I'm reaching back like nine, eight, nine years, something like that. So around the same time Foursquare was really big as a consumer platform, like, cause they started in 2010. So like 2011 ish around there. Um, so in Russia, there was a, a Foursquare like platform in Russia called Alter Geo. And these guys, right from day one, that's what they were all about. They were working with the, you know, sort of the mortgage lenders and the insurance companies and whatnot. And they would track, you know, sort of the movements of consumers. And then basically the guys deciding to give you a loan or, or you know, give you a mortgage or whatever would weigh in on your sort of behavioral habits of whether or not you were a risk, uh, you know, a risky investment for them or not. Um, and it, like, I think it's a jurisdictional thing, right? Like I think some countries like that have much more sort of lax privacy types of rules, you can get away with those kinds of things. In North America, that's, that's not going to happen, right? Um, it's just, it's just not, you know, and it, the same goes for even things like we're seeing right now with contact tracing, for example, in COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. South Korea and China and, you know, Singapore and these countries, you know, are doing all sorts of things. Whereas over here, we're still battling, you know, oh, it's going to be an opt in thing from Apple and Google and this. And, you know, it, I don't know. And I'm sure you saw the recent announcement now that they're not even going to, you know, be opening that up like yeah. they initially. Would, so. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think there's, yeah, it, it's, you know, every market will have its own thing, but I, I do think mm -hmm. there's something to these vertical specializations. So anyhow, uh, thank you. Um, to our audience, again, you've been listening to episode number 463 of Location Weekly. Thank you uh, for tuning in each week. Um, please let us know if you have story ideas, if you uh, guest ideas, uh, reach out to us. We just thank you uh, for listening and watching and please stay healthy, safe, and well, um, and hopefully we're all back together sooner rather than later uh, in the real world. So, all right, take care, everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.